Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Hey, we're Anne and Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to talk about Moses and the burning bush. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast, where we believe that marriage was meant for more than just happily ever after. I'm Jennifer, also known as Unveiled Wife. And I'm Aaron, also known as Husband Revolution. We have been married for over a decade. And so far, we have four young children. We have been doing marriage ministry online for over seven years through blogging and social media. With the desire to inspire couples to keep God at the center of their marriage, encouraging them to walk in faith every day. We believe the Christian marriage should be an extraordinary one, full of life, love, and power that can only be found by chasing after God. Together. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we chase boldly after God's will for our life together. This is Marriage After God. Hey family, welcome back to another episode of the Marriage After God podcast. This is uh, one of our monthly devotional episodes, which is awesome. We're going to be talking about some scripture, some things we're learning in the Bible. Um, This is the second to last episode in this season. In season three, yeah. (laughs) I'm actually really sad about it. I really enjoyed doing this with you, and I, I know it's good to take a break. You make it sound like it's ending forever. No, I know. <laughs> it, it's good to take a break, um, but because uh, we've been so consistent in doing it, I've, I am going to miss sitting here with you. Yeah, but we're, we're going to come back soon. We're, we're going to have the baby. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back. It's going to be awesome. So yeah. it's, we're not, it's not gone forever. We're just going to be um, – we, we figured that coming up with a – doing the seasonal uh, podcast format is much more um, – sustainable long-term yeah. for our growing family and the way we work. So, Okay, so with one more episode in the queue then, we should do a giveaway. Ooh, okay. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's a fun thing. I don't think we've ever done, we've wanted to do giveaways in the past in the podcast, but because they stay up for so long, it's like, how do we do a giveaway? But it's not really evergreen. We're just going to do a giveaway and, and we're going to deal with the repercussions of it later. So so if you're if you're listening to this and it's, you know, past the launch date and uh the date that we give you for the giveaway it's non-existent anymore (laughs) yeah but if you're listening to this and it's before the date we're going to give you then you have a chance to win some of our books we might give you all five of our books we might give you our marriage after god book um we're going to pick i think four winners the date that i picked to end the giveaway is april 10th oh cool so you're giving them a long time yeah that's about four weeks from the launch of this episode cool uh and it's also my birthday week my birthday's on April 6th. So I might even like pick two winners on that date on, on that week. I don't know. <laughs> so just know this, that if you're listening to this on the launch day and it's before April 10th, 2020, then you have an opportunity to win some of our books. Cool. If it's after April 10th, 2020, uh, thanks for listening to the episode. So because <laughs> we we're going to be on break during that time, how are you going to announce the winners? 
I'm going to announce the winners on Instagram. Okay. So you got to follow us on Instagram uh, at marriage after God. And this is how you enter the giveaway. It's going to be super easy. All you got to do is leave a review on our podcast, wherever you leave, wherever you listen to our podcast, either on iTunes or whatever other podcast app you use, take a screenshot of the review and then post it to social media and tag at marriage after God. And then maybe if you want to put a little note of like why you love that episode or, or why you love the podcast or um, to invite other people to, to follow, that'd be awesome. So is this just on Instagram? This is going to be just on Instagram. Okay. So they got to follow us on Instagram and they got to tag at marriage after God and they got to post a screenshot of their review. Cool. If you've already left a review, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Go find that review if you can <laughs> or post a new review because um, there's a lot of reviews on there. And yeah, so we're going to, what we're going to do is I'm just going to, as we get, tagged in posts, I'll get notified. And once a week, maybe twice a week, I'll pick a winner Cool from those people. So if you're listening to this and you want a, an opportunity to win our books, and if you just want an opportunity to bless us, uh, take a screenshot of your review, post it, tag at marriage after God, and you'll be entered in to the giveaway. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So we love you guys. And you know, we always like to give you free things. And so I just wanted to highlight our creative date night ideas, uh, free thing. So Aaron, why don't you share more about that? Yeah. So we created this PDF and it's 52 creative date night ideas. And to get it, you can download it for completely free. You just go to date all one word. Fill out the little form and boom, you got our little date night ideas in it. You can spend once, do it once a week. You can do like a 52 days in a row if you wanted to. Oh gosh, I don't know. Anyone, I don't know how you would do that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's just some creative ideas. Maybe to just get those um, date night idea juices flowing, mm -hmm. like to get out of the norm. Uh, so it's create It's date night ideas.com. All one word, totally free. You should go get that today. All right, you guys, today's topic, uh, Aaron already mentioned it, but it's it's a devotional style episode, which means we are going to be sharing what we're learning from the Word of God. And uh, we've been doing something new with Family Bible Time, which is something we've been doing consistently for several years now, and we love. Mm -hmm. um, we see the benefit and fruitfulness in our family as a whole, but really just in our children and their growth and maturity and getting familiar with God's Word. A couple episodes ago, we mentioned um, our 24 family ways and that we had been going through that resource by Sally and uh, Clay Clarkson, um, and we finished that, and so we've been kind of doing something new. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun little thing we've been doing where uh, we're going through... And we might have even mentioned this, but we'll we'll recap it. We're going through uh, stories in the Bible, you know, so like Adam and Eve, uh, Noah's Abraham, Ark, Noah, yeah. Joseph, all of them. So we're going through these stories that are very well known to us because we all grew up in Sunday school and like our, our parents taught it. We wanted um, to make sure we weren't skipping them over with our kids. <laughs> yeah, we want our kids to know these 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 stories, these his, this history of the Bible and the, and our faith. And so we're going through these stories and what we're doing though, is we're trying to focus on finding Christ in all of these stories. Yeah. So we'll read these stories. We'll talk about what's going on. We'll talk about the history of it. We'll talk about what God was doing in that time, in that context. And then we'll ask a bunch of questions to get them to think about like, how does that, you know, connect to Jesus or what, what yeah. does that sound like over here? And like pointing them to, to Jesus, Yeah. which is really awesome because God's redemptive stories throughout the entire Bible from yeah. start to finish, uh, which we'll talk about. Yeah, it's been really good. Elliot specifically is really loving it. Like seriously, at the end of each 
uh, time together, he's like, no, let's keep going. <laughs> Cause he, he likes specifically the, the questions. Yeah. I'll read something and then I'll ask him like a really he likes to connect deep the question. Dots. And he's like, yeah, he's like, like me, he likes puzzles. He's like, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that, maybe this, or maybe, and maybe like it represents to, this or that, you know, Yeah, dig into really those cool. questions and engage that way. So, yeah. Pretty cool. So today we're going to share something that we did last week, which we, we studied Moses um, mm-hmm. and we went through a lot of different parts of Moses's story, but today we're going to focus on um, his, piece. yeah, one little piece of his experience. But um, first I just want to take a moment to acknowledge uh, just the importance of the old Testament and the new Testament, because, well, first of all, God's the one that put the Bible together and thank God for uh, his holy word in the way that mm-hmm. um, we, we get to receive it. Um, I'm thankful for it. Um, but one of the reasons I was drawn to God, even as a child, was because of these miraculous stories and things that he did that are mentioned in the Old Testament. Yeah, It helped shape my view of who God was and really my fear of God um, because it shows his power and his love and his compassion and just so much of, of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never would have thought that the Old Testament was irrelevant okay but um or, or even non-essential to the gospel but just recently as in like no, i think this time last year years. no i'm no for oh, myself more recently. Oh, okay. more recently this time last year i was hearing things about how people are and i'm using air quotes here unhinging the old testament unhinging from the old testament almost as if it's not relevant anymore and it bothered me. And so I just want to bring that up because I think that it's so important. And Aaron, I don't know if you want to speak to that. Well, yeah, I'm not going to go uh, too deep into the, the idea that is being um, uh, spread in some churches about this idea of like, hey, let's just unhinge from the Old Testament. All we're going to focus on is the New Testament. We're not going to, like we may reference the Old Testament a little bit, but it's irrelevant is essentially the idea. But the moment you remove the Old Testament, you lose all context in the New Testament. Like I said earlier, that the redemption plan in the Bible that we see started, in the New Testament it started, started long in, before Matthew. <laughs> it started in Genesis one and two. Yeah. Like we the it started back then. Um and it's such a beautiful and powerful uh display of what God is doing when you see it all together right. as a whole. And I also think like the reason that so there's certain things in history that have happened. Not I'm not just talking about the Bible, just overall, that if it wasn't written down, we would never have known about it. Right. And knowing those things that have happened in history help us be better today. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the Bible as a whole, God gave us his story from the beginning, gave us who he is back then and who he is now. They're the same God. He, does, he hasn't changed. His plan was the same from the beginning. And if we try and just throw that out, I mean, you can't even read First Peter and understand what first Peter's what Peter's talking well, about so without many, knowing the Old Testament. I was going to say there's so many references throughout the New Testament referring back to the Old Testament. Yeah, Jesus himself quotes the Old Testament a ton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if Jesus is an unhinging from the Old Testament, I'm not going to. <laughs> so um, that, that's just a little side tangent. So if you're in a church that thinks that the Old Testament is irrelevant, I would ask you to pray about uh, whether or not you're getting the full teaching mm-hmm. um, from the Word of God, because we believe that the whole counsel of God is just that God's counsel. It's his word. Um, and, and I'm not going to remove any of it. I mean, even just Psalms and Proverbs, it's like this beautiful, I don't know. It's comforting to me. There's wisdom. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's so powerful to me. I I love the old Testament. 
And so I just well, want to make that little side note. It's God's word. We should, we should love it. We shouldn't be afraid. This is another thing that's really, really awesome. And why people want to unhinge from it. Cause there's a lot of hard things in the yeah, old Testament, things that don't fit with our modern culture, things mm-hmm. that you're like, wait a minute, God did what? And if we're afraid to present that God to people, then we're not actually presenting God to people because that mm-hmm. is who God is. Yeah. And he had a plan and all of those things had a purpose, every mm-hmm. single one of them. And it also reading those things in the old Testament. Um, and I'm sure everyone's got a, an idea of something in the old Testament. They're like, Oh, that was a difficult thing to hear. Or that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like these weird, crazy stories. It also gives the validity and authority of the Bible because if a man was to create a God, if just man was to create a God, you wouldn't put all of that stuff in there. You would only want to make him look good, Mm -hmm. right? Or powerful only. You wouldn't want to show any of those things that we're afraid of in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Someone creating a God wouldn't do that. So the fact that those things exist is kind of a testament to the the truth of it. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, God's putting in there because there's a purpose for it. And God's not afraid to present who he is to us. Yeah. So, yeah, all that to say, we love the Old Testament. And if you're a believer and you love Jesus, you should too, because yeah. Jesus loved the Old Testament. And if you haven't been through the Old Testament in a while, we just want to encourage you to jump in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's transition into the actual like meat of this. Uh, there's not, I don't feel like there's a ton here, like as in we're not going to go for a long time, but... The, what we're going to talk about, I think, has got some really awesome implications, pointing to the gospel, reminding us of who we are, who God is. Um, and just one little note on on reading through the, the stories in the Bible. It wasn't until recently, a couple years ago, that I finally grasped that the Bible, and this sounds elementary, but the Bible's about Jesus. Mm, all of it. <laughs> all of it. From the beginning to the end, there's this plan. It's God's it's God presenting himself and his redemption plan for mankind. Well, I think it, it becomes so easy. Sorry to interrupt you. I yeah, was just fine. thinking sometimes it's so easy for us to look and even read the Bible and continually see ourselves in it or how, you know, who am I in this story or what can I glean yeah. from this and how does it apply to my situation? But sometimes I think more often, o- more often yeah. it should be just us reading it to say, God, who are you and what are you doing in this a perfect example of this is that we often, you know, get taught like you're David and you have a Goliath in your life and, you know, God's going to help you slay that Goliath, which is not necessarily wrong to like think through that and ask God how he's going to help you slay giants in your life. But the story is not about us. The story is about David, the king, who's going to be. Well, he wasn't king yet, but. Or he's going to be the king. Yeah. And it also it is more relevant as a picture of, of Jesus slaying death, mm-hmm. slaying the enemy, slaying the. And so when we look at it that way, you're like, whoa, that's mm-hmm. powerful. It takes our eyes off of ourselves and says, oh man, and we magnify yeah, what's God what God, God has done. Uh, so it doesn't mean we can ever look at, I mean, the Bible is supposed to be principles for our life and to show us the spiritual realm and to show us how we relate to mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. And, and the world. True. Uh, but man, when you start reading these stories, which we've been doing with the kids and looking for Christ in all of them, you find him. Yeah. You're like, whoa, like <laughs> even there, God's working on, yeah. even there, you know. It's kind of like a little treasure hunt. Yeah. So <laughs> one little example of this, we were reading um, Noah's Ark. We were reading about Noah and the Ark and how God was, like, this is one of those stories that we, we remember the Ark part and we're like, that's so beautiful. But we forget that God destroyed the world mm. and everyone in it. And that was a big deal for our kids to hear. They're like, wait, so everything? Like he destroyed all of it? And we're like, yeah. And we, I brought up to him, I said, but, did he destroy everything? And they're like, well, 
no, he saves the animals and he saved Noah and his family. And we're like, okay. Especially like Olive, because she's at that age where she's still learning, where Elliot's already heard the story and he yeah. kind of knows more. So it's interesting to see them on their different yeah. um, ages and, and maturity, understanding these stories. But what I, um, what I helped them navigate, I said, okay, do you remember right here where God said, he was sorry that he made man and that he wanted to, he was going to destroy everything because of the wickedness in the world. They're like, yeah. And I was like, did he destroy everything? They're like, well, no. And I said, so we get this picture of him saving mm-hmm. people, saving mankind, making a way out, making a way of escape, making a way of salvation for us. Mm-hmm. And so I said, even though this sounds so like when you look at one piece or just the other, you don't get the full picture, mm-hmm. right? He said he was going to destroy everything, but then he said, but he found favor with Noah mm-hmm. and saved his family and all the animals through him. And then he said, he's going to bless the world through their children. As he said, this, the Abraham, he's going to bless the world through Abraham's children. You, you see this pattern throughout where he could have destroyed everything, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He could have destroyed everything, but he doesn't. He could have destroyed Adam and Eve, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. He covered them instead. Mm-hmm. And so every story we're just, we're like, man. It's like, like peeling back the layers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, but it's all about, about Christ. And we're like, Hey, but who's Christ in this story? And they're yeah. like the ark, the door, <laughs> the, all these pictures of Jesus saving the world, saving mm-hmm. people. So, Hey, we're not supposed to talk about Noah's oh, ark. Sorry. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about Moses and the burning bush, not mm-hmm. the ark. So, but th- this is the, this Aaron is the case. Gets excited about these things. Yeah. So again, when we read the word looking for Jesus, we're going to find him. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, okay, so let's just let's get into this. Jennifer, do you think that Moses is pr- is probably the most well known character in the Bible, besides Jesus? I was going to say, well, Jesus probably is, but yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people would know who he is. It makes me think of those um, those talk shows where they go out on the streets and they're like questioning people. Yeah. Do you know who? <laughs> it's like some senator. They're like, no, yeah. I don't know. The but presidents, I, you know. I feel States like or... I feel like there's this iconic picture of Moses with his big beard and standing, you know, mm-hmm. by the sea with the Ten Commandments in his hand. Well, there was like the Charlton Heston movement movie Ten Commandments, and like we've seen these yeah. these these movies from old, yeah, that have like just iconicized these stories and these mm-hmm. characters. Uh, but I would say, yeah, he's probably a main figure. He's probably one of the most well-known mm-hmm. figures in the Bible, mm-hmm. Moses. Um, and what's awesome about this, the story of Moses, which we couldn't even get through all of it because it's like... There's a lot to him. It's most of Exodus. Mm-hmm. It's all of Exodus, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of... There's a lot in the story of Moses and what he did. Um, but what's awesome about it, we, I was telling the kids, you know, it's, it's an epic story. There's distress, there's sadness, there's faith, there's murder, there's catastrophe, there's miracles... And then there's ultimately like victory and freedom. Mm-hmm. There's a battle. There's good. Mm-hmm. There's bad. You know, there's, there's this, uh, it's got all the elements of a powerful story mm-hmm. and we get it right there. And then I get to tell the kids, but this happened. Yeah. It was this real. really happened. Yeah. And in the midst of this story, we get some glimpses, some major glimpses into the future plan for redemption for all of mankind, not mm-hmm. just for the Israelites. Mm-hmm. You know, this story centers around Moses freeing the Israelites, or I should say God freeing his people mm-hmm. because he made this promise to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, right? I um, just interrupt you for one quick second. I, I, I read up on a news site that's ran by um, Jews in Israel, and they were talking about Passover coming up, mm-hmm. and it was a really interesting article, but a part of it references Moses and uh, the miracle of the Red Sea and taking that exodus, um, taking the people out. 
And this person said that if it wasn't for him, basically he made a way for Jesus, right? Because of everything that happened and everything that they experienced, they were saved. And then Mm -hmm. there was this lineage for Jesus to come and they were brought out of slavery. It was a really cool picture for me to remember that Moses wasn't just used by God to save those people. He was doing it with this bigger picture in mind. Right. He, really so cool. saving those people meant saving the world yeah. through his son, Jesus. Yeah. And, Even though it was years right, later, you know. Right. And we see a picture of that in, in, with Joseph, mm-hmm. you know, before mm-hmm. the Exodus, you know, he, he through Joseph and everything that happened to him saved his family, which yeah. became Israel. Again, this just backs up with affirmation that that point that we're making earlier that the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected. And you in you a can't have way. one without the other yeah. at all. Uh, and so, you know, we get to this, we have this story, we have the 10 plagues, we have all these things, but before all of those things, there's this experience that Moses has with God, where God starts this a whole thing off, uh, which is another testament to God's love. Because when I started the story off, I, I told the kids, I said, I said, children, why are the Jews enslaved in Egypt? They're like, uh, we don't know. And I said, did they do anything wrong? Wrong? Mm-mm. No, actually, the Bible tells us that they just increased. Yeah, in number. They had, they were increasing and being fruitful and having children. And Pharaoh said. Not the Pharaoh that knew Joseph, the Pharaoh much later that didn't know Joseph, and it tells us that. He was afraid. Was afraid of them. Yeah. He said, unless they, you know, they're going to grow and become mightier than us, and they're going to side with one of our enemies, mm-hmm. let's enslave them. Mm-hmm. So not by anything they've done, which is, again, a picture of Adam. It's not by anything that we've done necessarily, but because sin entered the world through Adam, that all men are now sinners, mm-hmm. right? So the Israelites didn't do, necessarily do anything directly to deserve this. It wasn't like a punishment. It was, they just enslaved, enslaved mm-hmm. because they're, they're growing and being blessed. And it's this picture of, you know, all mankind, we're all in bondage to death and slavery. Mm-hmm. We're slaves to sin. We're slaves to the fear of death. The Bible tells us. Not for those of us in Christ Jesus. Not for those. <laughs> and that's what we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about it. And then I, so I brought up, I said, okay, who initiates their salvation? Who initiates their, their coming out? Was it Moses? No, no. Moses ran away because he murdered someone. He was hiding. Yeah, he he went and had, got a wife. You know, got a job. He got out of town. He's there just chilling in the in the desert. You know, sh- shepherding some sheep. And God initiates. Mm-hmm. God comes down and meets with Moses mm-hmm. in this experience to start this whole thing off for the people of Israel. Not so. It's not that we love God, but that He first loved us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. this idea. Is like Moses didn't say, "God save my people. I want to let them go." No, he's like chilling out by himself. Well, he to, got married. He, he got married. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is he yeah. went away from his brothers, his lineage. Yeah. Because yeah. he was one of them. And God's going to do something. Why don't you read Exodus 3, verse 2 and 4, th- 2 through 4. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Although in God's voice, it's probably not, it's probably, probably a little bit deeper. more, yeah, yeah. deeper, stronger, more authoritative <laughs> than mine. Yeah. Uh, what's, again, what's awesome about this is Moses is just doing his job, going about his life. Uh, not even probably, I mean, he's probably thinks about his people from time to time, but he's just living his life. God meets him in a powerful way. Mm-hmm. He says, Moses. Moses is like, whoa, what's going on? And he's talking out of a burning bush. What a weird way to present yourself to someone, right? Mm-hmm. He, and, and 
Moses looks and he says, the, the tr- this bush is not being burned. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed, mm-hmm. right? And so I asked the kids, I'm like, what do you guys think consumed means? Because there's all these big words and it's an awesome opportunity to teach the kids big words. Yeah. And they're like, uh, what did Elliot say? He said something very close to like what it meant. I can't remember the word he used, but I, I got to explain to him, like consume means like to, like to eat, to devour, like it's going to be destroyed, right? And I was like, but it's not being consumed, I said, what do you think, like, why do you think the bush is not being consumed? What do you think that means? And there's a picture here. The Bible doesn't necessarily explain this picture, but what's beautiful about the Bible is that it's infinitely deep and uh, gently shallow. I mean, you can like, you can tread in it and and you can also go dive down yeah. to the abyss in the Bible. Like there's the face value and then there's the deep spiritual value. There's all of it. And so we can look at this, this experience that Moses is having. So first of all, God's initiating. God's calling out to Moses. God's got a plan. God's got an agenda. And Moses is just right now being invited in. What a lucky guy. (laughs) Yeah. Now, how how lucky is Israel that? I know. And so God called him out of the bush. uh, And it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And I just want to to bring this up right now because the Bible in the Old Testament specifically references the angel of the Lord like hundreds of times, Hmm. right? And this is... um, a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ. So this is before Jesus comes in the flesh through Mary, right? right? And you see him all throughout the Old Testament. So angel of the Lord. And we know this because it says right here, it says in the beginning of the verse, it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Okay, so who's appearing to him? The angel of the Lord in a flame. And then it says, and behold, the bush was burning and was not consumed. And he turned aside. And then it says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him out of the bush. So we have this picture of it's not just an angel. An angel would never call himself God. The Bible would never call, even regular angels that met with people and people tried bowing to them, they'd say, don't bow to me. Mm -hmm. You saw this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But this angel, it says, and God called out. And so we see this picture of the pre-incarnate Christ calling out to Moses for a plan, for something to do. What did you think when I was um, bringing that up to the kids about the angel of the Lord? Did you know that? Uh, Yeah, I had heard that before. Um, I don't remember when or how, but... I feel like I was familiar with it. What was cool was to see the kids' eyes light up like they were recognizing it. They were seeing the picture mm-hmm. unfold. So that was really cool. Well, it's beautiful. And if you go back and just like look up Angel of the Lord and look at all the verses, you'll see all these opportun- all these situations that Jesus was in the picture. Well, I remember <laughs> specifically because we were talking about Moses, um, Elliot was familiar with the story already. And so he brought up, oh, like the pillar of fire. Mm-hmm. And so he Which already so cool. reckon, he did recognize that. Yeah, so we get another picture of fire. Consuming fire yeah. and stuff like that. And then the other part of this that I tried pointing out was this idea of the consuming fire. And there's a th- this idea in the in the New Testament of God being a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. And we see this like on the on Mount Zion when we when Jesus is or when God ascended and like literally scorching the the mountain. We'll read a little bit about that in the New Testament. But God's it, it, you see this fire which is purifying. It's powerful it's consuming it's it's this thing that it's it's unquenchable and that's what god is he's going to consume he's going to destroy and have wrath and you have that side of it but it also gives light and Mm -hmm. warmth and so you see these these sides to fire but in this picture you get this really awesome beautiful thing of a bush an earthly thing something made from the ground it grows out of the dirt Mm -hmm. on fire but not being consumed Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to do a little bit of research on this because some some other people have definitely gotten this imagery and and show and I there were some really cool pictures they show and they show this idea that the bush 
coming out of the ground, a growing. It's a, it's an organic, it's a created thing. It has this picture. It's representing of man. Mm. Like we're out of the, God made us out of the ground, mm-hmm. right? In Genesis, God, he took the d- dust of the earth and made man mm-hmm. and breathed his life into him. But then you see this other picture of the fire being God mm-hmm. around the bush, not consuming it. Usually the fire would consume a bush, would burn it to dust, right? right? But it's not. And so you see this picture of what God is going to do, mm. that God's going to be with man. Mm. And instead of being consumed by God, which is what you saw in the flood, what you see with the 10 plagues, what you see with the, like all of these situations of God's wrath, you see this idea of like, instead of the wrath, it's now a purifying fire. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a protective fire. It's a, and we're one with it. We're not being consumed by God. And you mentioned the word light earlier, just a minute ago. And I feel like everything that Jesus spoke on was, you know, light, <laughs> which is yeah. cool. He references that a lot. Uh, just talking about consuming fire, I want to read from Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 12 says in verse 18, it says this, it says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom, a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. Even a, even a beast touch at the mountain, it should be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, in the, into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable angels and festal gathering, into the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So this is all referencing all of these horrible, terrible, scary Mm -hmm. experiences with God. And he's saying, you haven't come to that because you have Christ. Mm -hmm. You've come to a better word. Mm -hmm. You've come to a better fire. And he says, see that in verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And what's amazing about this is he, the writer references all of these scary, fearful moments with God where he is a consuming fire. He's talking about Mount Zion, what I was just mm-hmm. referencing. And he's saying, but we're coming to a better relationship with that father. And he says, so don't refuse the, the voice that you're hearing now because they did. And look what happened to mm-hmm. them. He says, but if we refuse the one that's proclaiming peace over us, that's giving us a new home, saying that he's going to, you know, the things that we know now, this earth are going to melt away, but he's going to give us an indestructible kingdom, Mm -hmm. one that we're going to live in forever with him. He's saying, if you refuse that, be fearful because he's a consuming fire. So literally he's saying, let us be the bush that is surrounded by the consuming fire and not being consumed. Right. Mm -hmm. He's saying, come to that, come to that voice that's now calling you through Jesus, which is what we've, we've been seeing there. So we're seeing this picture right now with Moses walking up to this burning bush about to be given a command by God mm-hmm. that for God's purpose. So there's a really cool um, little teaching here coming up that uh, you spoke to the kids about that I thought was a, a really neat. 
um, in conjunction with what you're sharing right now, where the bush represents man and, and, you know, this idea that God consumes man, but doesn't destroy him. Rather, he, he purifies him and he protects him. Mm. Um, and it has to do with Moses' sandals. So I'm going to read Exodus 3, 5 through 6. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Um, but you stopped right there, and you were talking to the kids about this idea of holy ground, and you were asking them mm-hmm. questions like, why would he have to take off his sandals? And, mm-hmm. you know, what's that about? Well, it is interesting because we get these we get these um, descriptions in the Bible, mm-hmm. but it doesn't like explain them. Yeah. It's not like here's the, how, it, what it represents. We get to look at them and say, what is he doing? And what, what does this represent? We get to explore and we get yeah. to discern it and yeah. we get to read through other things. But what the, what I saw in this and the picture of this is he said, God saying this grounds holy. And what are sandals to do? Like when you're wearing sandals or shoes, keep, what do they do? Keep your feet clean. Keep your feet clean. Right. And do you remember Jesus washing the feet of the disciples? Yeah. And he said, lest I do this, you have no place with me. Mm-hmm. And then Peter says, wash my whole body. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, but you don't need to wash your whole body, only your feet. Mm-hmm. Right? There's this idea that the feet are the things touching the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? The ground, the earth, the thing that we are. We are earth. Yeah. We're from the earth. And you see this picture of God saying, no, this ground is not like other ground. The earth that you think you're from and the earth that, you, that I've made you from is unholy because of what happened with the sin. But this ground right here, I have made this holy. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is stop trying to cover yourself. Like the sandals, stop trying to protect yourself from the unholiness. Yeah. Like it's not good enough. (laughs) It's not good. enough. Your sandals, (laughs) your sandals are not good enough. Like your own covering. It's almost like Adam and Eve's covering themselves with fig leaves. Yeah. God's like, "Mm -hmm." it was, it it was not good enough to cover their nakedness. Mm -hmm. God covered them. Yeah with something that was sufficient, with skins. Mm -hmm. He sacrificed an animal. So we have this picture of God saying, take your sandals off and recognize who, what you are and put your feet on holy ground, Mm -hmm. right? Let your unholy flesh touch my holy ground Mm -hmm. because you, you, you think you're going to come your way to me. You think you're going to come with your good works, your, uh, you, you know, how much you've read the Bible, how much you've prayed, how much you've done in your life. And, and that's commending you to me. I say, take it off and recognize you are are. dust, (laughs) right? And he says, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground, right? God made the ground holy Mm -hmm. where he was at. He made the earth holy, which is what he does with us. He makes us holy. We are dust, unholy dust made from the earth, but he has made us holy through his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so there's this picture of God saying, take off your sandals, take off the thing that protects you or you think is keeping you clean and come to me. What a humbling experience for Moses. Like, first of all, you just have this, this miracle of the burning bush and, and he's probably thinking what is going on right now. And he's hearing, you know, God speak to him mm-hmm. and then God tells him to, to take his shoes off and he's got to, it's humbling. You got to bend down, get your sandals Unstrap off. Your sandals. And then touch the dirt. Mm-hmm. And I just, I. Well, and it, it's this picture of, it's the, it's the beginning place of the gospel is that we recognize who we are mm-hmm. and that we recognize that nothing we are doing or have done mm-hmm. is worthy of salvation. Like the Bible says, even your good works are as filthy rags. Mm-hmm. So like, look at this picture of his sandals protecting him. He's saying, come to me and, and humble yourself. Yeah. Take your sandals off. Stop trying to. Uh, protect yourself from the and dirt because you I are am. dirt, Yeah, <laughs> right? You yeah. are from the dirt. So we need to come to God and the gospel is we need to recognize who we are, that we are sinners in need of a savior, that we, there's nothing good in us. 
unless Christ is in us. Mm -hmm. And so we come to God that way. And that's what God told Moses. He said, take your sandals off, come here. Mm -hmm. And you're going to walk on the dirt that I've made holy Mm -hmm. because you could not have made this dirt holy. And your sandals will not protect you (laughs) from the unholiness. Um, And I just thought that was powerful. And I was explaining that to the kids and they were like, oh, their eyes are big. And then the last big kind of fun takeaway that we got from this is, is this idea of names, right? So remember we talked, we just talked about like who Moses is yeah, and that he's, that him recognizing, you know, t- taking off his sandals and uh, look at us looking at the story for us to learn how to know who we are and who God is. Right. And so in Exodus three verses 10 through 14, it says this, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And then God said, but I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What I think is funny about this is the sign that God gives Moses is that he will accomplish the thing that God said to do. Yeah, He's like, your sign will be that you did it, <laughs> right? Um, but I want you to take note real quick, everyone listening. Moses says, who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And then in verse 13, it says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So we see this cool contrast of Moses saying to God, when God gives him this command, like this, this mission, and it seems big. He's got to go to Pharaoh and take you know hundreds yeah. of thousands of people out of Egypt. I mean, this powerful land. He knew him, right? Yeah, well, he knew the people, but it's Egypt. Yeah. Like, that's like going, like, hey, I want you to go to the president and I want you to demand I'd that he's going to, like, are you kidding me? Like, that's a big deal. Especially but, for someone in hiding, right? Because at this point he's still hiding. I know, he's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> and they know it. Uh, but he says, so God, or Moses says, who am I? And God's answer of who he, who he is, is I am. Mm-hmm. Who I am. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, when you change those word orders, one's a question, the other's an answer. Mm-hmm. So Moses says, who am I? Which is a great question that we should be asking ourselves before God. Who am I? I think it's a great posture that Moses has here because he's recognizing, he was just told by a burning bush (laughs) to take his sandals off that he's standing on holy ground. He's a shepherd who is running from the Pharaoh because he murdered someone, hiding. And he's looking at God, asking him to do this amazing thing. And he's saying, who am I? Like, are you sure you got the right guy, God? And I think that's an important question that we should ask ourselves, not out of a false humbleness, but out of a true humbleness. Like, God, who am I that you have decided to save me? Mm. That you've given me your son, Jesus, that you've made me clean. Who am I that you would come and send your son for me? Who am I that all of these things, rather than I am the one that you should do this for. I am the one that, yeah, good. I'm glad you found me, God, because I've been planning this thing for a long time and, and I need to do that thing for you. You know, who am I? And then recognizing who the answer is. God is the answer. God is the answer. He says, I am. It's God's mission. It's God's plan. It's God's resources. It's God's power. It's God's um, desire. It's God's will. It's God's initiation. It's God's initiation. (laughs) So the only thing Moses could say is, who am I? Mm. Why? Who am I in this picture? Yeah. Right? Well, what I love about this is when we were um, doing it with the kids, I remember taking notes in my journal and I wrote down this phrase that you said, you said, Moses saw himself as a question. God saw himself as the answer. And right. I just love that play on words. Is so yeah. Cool. And, and that, and that's true. Like the answer to everything 
is God and his son, Jesus. He has provided the way, the truth, and the life, Mm -hmm. as Jesus says about himself. No man comes to the Father but through me. Mm -hmm. Which we... We went on to ask the kids some of these questions. You said, um, who's going to save the people? And they said, God. And you said, how? <laughs> and they said, or uh, who does he use? Moses. And then you said, right. who saves us? And they said, God. And you said, how? Wondering if they would make the connection. And then I think it was Olive. She goes, through Jesus. <laughs> right. And that's exactly the idea. It's so cool. This story is not about Moses. This story is about God. Mm-hmm. Moses is a tool mm-hmm. in God's hands. Yes, uh, God used him in mighty ways. Yes, he was obedient. Yes, there was all these things and there was also him being afraid and there was mm-hmm. also him saying, I can't say anything. Send me my brother to help me. But it was God's plan. It, it God, it, God says, I will save my people. Mm-hmm. He says it. And I'm going to use you to do it, Moses. Mm-hmm. But I'm saving them. I want you to know that. I'm saving them. It's my plan. They're my people, not yours. You're not going to get the glory. You're not, I am. I am. That's what God says. So who's going to save the people? God. Who does he use? Moses. Who saves us? God. Who does he use? His son, Jesus. (laughs) We're saved through Jesus Christ. He makes our relationship with the Father right. And I just think that is so amazing. And this is just one little, like, chapter in the Old Testament. And look at all of the things that we just pulled out of this about our salvation and God's plan for our salvation. And I, I, f- I don't feel like I made any of this up. Like other people have figured this out before me. I'm not that smart, <laughs> but it's just beautiful when you see the Bible in light of who Christ is and what mm-hmm. God's doing in this world. Uh, you see these things. Mm-hmm. And so I hope everyone was really blessed by that. I, I know I, kids we liked were, it. I was, yeah. When we talked about this episode, I was like, we should definitely um, go over what we shared about with Moses because that was pretty, that was a powerful was a little one, yeah. day that we experienced. So uh, we're coming to an end. And as usual, we pray. I hope you were blessed by this. I hope you would dig in to the story of Moses and, yeah, and be looking for it. these things. Try and uh, it simply go in saying like, we're going to look for Christ. Where's Christ mm-hmm. in this story? And just look for it and just try and find those correlations. Find what God is trying to, to show you in the scriptures. Uh, so let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the many different stories and historical documentation of people and events that brought forth your plan of redemption. It is so interesting and amazing to see the many different ways the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected and support each other. Thank you for showing us that Jesus was from the beginning part of you and the awesome way he is mentioned in the Old Testament, as well as his incredible purpose detailed in the New Testament. Thank you for the role of Moses and all that he was able to accomplish, bringing you glory Thank you for showing us how you use people to carry out your work. Your strong arm and your provision is evident in the story of Moses. Help us to continually grow in our understanding of who you are and asking you who I am. May your will be carried out in a miraculous way in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you all. Uh, We hope this devotional blessed you as it blessed us. And uh, again, check out that giveaway we got going on. Post a review on our podcast, screenshot it, tag us and you might win some books. Uh, Again, that ends on April 10th, 2020. And so if you are listening to this before then, go do it, and you might might win some books. Uh, We love you all, and uh, we'll see you next week for our last episode of the season. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested, you can find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com, and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage.
Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.